In all of his letters, Paul concludes with a list of practical duties that are based on the doctrines he has discussed. In the Christian life, doctrine and duty go together. That is, what we believe helps us determine how we behave. What we think affects what we do. It's not enough to simply stop at the theology, the explanations about God and what He's done. We need to translate our learning into living, our daily lives impacted by our trust in God's Word. Practical holiness, or as we've said that in Romans, Paul's focus is becoming love. And here, the focus of the section in Romans we're looking at today is about relationships. You see, if we have a right relationship with God, this will lead to right relationships with the people who are part of our lives. Paul isn't alone in this belief about this principle. We read it quite bluntly right throughout Scripture. For example, in 1 John 4 verse 20, it says, If anyone boasts, I love God, and goes right on hating his brother or sister, think nothing of it. He is a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? The command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to love both. And so here in Romans 12, 1, we have the fourth therefore in this letter of Paul. Therefore, in view of all that we've heard so far, in view of God's mercy, of His grace, of His righteousness that has made us righteous, what is our response? It's what I call in my own life a so what moment. Every day when I read my Bible, I ask, so what? How will, be, how will I be different from what I've read today? I ask the same thing when I write a sermon. So what? How am I suggesting that we live differently because of what the Bible says? And I hope you engage the same when you engage with Scripture or with a sermon. So what? What difference does this make to my life? In view of what God has done, so what? Well, Paul says the what is everything. God's mercy should change everything. Perhaps you've had a child that you've done the hokey pokey with. It's a song and dance that tells us to put our left arm in or our right leg in or some other body part into the circle to shake it about. And at the end, it says, turn yourself around. And it's this active and sometimes quite tiring exercise that finally comes to the point where the command is to put your whole self in. You know, you put your whole self in, you put your whole self out. Well, here in Romans 12, what Paul says is the appropriate response, is something like this. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. To offer your bodies is Paul's way of saying, you put your whole self in. So firstly, we offer ourselves to God because of His mercy. When we recognise what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus, the only response is to give ourselves completely to Him. We are sinners, yes, but while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That is an act of grace, an act of mercy. It's the ultimate gift. We, we can't forget it. Real worship, Paul says, happens when we confess that sin, when we turn from the sin, and then we offer ourselves completely and wholeheartedly to God. Reflecting on God's mercy as we've done these last 11 chapters should be motivation enough for us to give our whole lives to God. But how? How do we offer ourselves? Well, Paul says, secondly, we offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Now, this expression, living sacrifice, is set against the backdrop of the Old Testament sacrifices. 
While the Old Testament worship, um, worshiper offered an animal, the New Testament worshiper is to offer themselves, their lives. Just as the people of Israel presented their animal sacrifices to the priest, we are to hand over our bodies to God. Out of celebration for what God has done for us, we give ourselves to Him. Now, when Paul uses the term body, he's implying the whole of a person. This presentation can be seen in the same sort of metaphor as if a defeated general of an army would hand over his sword, demonstrating the surrender of his whole being, everything that was his, everything that belonged to him, everything that he represented. And in this act of consecration, we give not our dead bodies, but rather we make a living sacrifice. Now, a living sacrifice sounds a bit like an oxymoron. A living sacrifice is more difficult to give than a dead sacrifice. A living sacrifice means something to us. It has intrinsic value. Dead sacrifices have no value. They don't mean anything to us. But living sacrifices cost us something. Living implies life, right? And life is an everyday experience. So offering ourselves to God is not something that should be contained within a 45-minute online worship service or even a couple of hour in-person worship service. A living sacrifice is a sacrifice that is alive and continuous in action. So this means worship occurs not just in a church building or in our couch on a Sunday morning, but in our whole world. Worship is about all the hours of our lives. It's not about one activity of coming to worship. It's about all of our activities, each relationship, each task, each opportunity, each problem, each success, even each failure. True worship is our personal linking of faith and works, the offering of our everyday life to God. It's about who you are in your office, in your business affairs, how you treat your neighbours, how you earn your money, how you save your money, how you spend it. Worship affects everything we do and everything we are. So what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? Perhaps it's a bit like taking a blank sheet of paper and signing your name at the bottom of it and then letting God fill it in as He wills. Paul goes on to say, number three, that we offer ourselves to God through transformation and renewal. Perhaps you've heard the saying, 80% of life is just showing up. It's often attributed to actor and director Woody Allen and, and indicates the importance of presence in life. And it makes sense, right? After all, you can't get ahead if you aren't even there to make it. In, in times of crisis, a friend's simple presence is often worth the most. A child or teenager in a school production or sporting event will often scan the crowd for a familiar face to cheer them on. Showing up matters. Paul writes, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. He is reminding believers of the importance of showing up for God. Our presence is not some sacrifice that ends in death, but, but instead it's a consecration or dedication to the will and work of God that is life-giving. So we present ourselves freely and openly, trusting that when we show up, God does too. But showing up is not enough. It might be the 80% of life for Woody Allen, but, but for Paul, there's much more embodied, embodied faith than just physical presence. It also involves the opening of the mind. My gym class instructors are always reminding me that gaining strength is not about the body. It's just as much about the mind battle. The body and the mind are connected and at their best, they work together as a team. 
So in order to be our most faithful selves, we need to wrap our minds around things in new ways, ways that push us and challenge us and to better examine ourselves, our communities, our nation, and even our world. We have to do more than just show up. We have to think about it too. It's really easy to fall into the trap of just going through the motions without really engaging our minds. But Paul says in verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Paul called the Romans to reflect on the ways of the world so that they wouldn't conform to the patterns that surrounded them, but they would be transformed by the renewing of their minds. Something that happens in the context of true, authentic worship within the body of Christ. Paul insists that God is calling us forward into new, transformed ways of being. And so we're able to be a people who embody mind, who, sorry, who embody body and mind what it means to live with Jesus Christ as our Lord not anyone or anything else. So the second part of today's reading reminds us that God's work isn't a solitary event of internal change, but rather it's an act of community. It's about relationships. Paul encourages us to respond to our faith by offering ourselves to be transformed by God and engaged in the work of God's kingdom. We've been transformed for a reason, to be part of the body of Christ in the world. Romans 12 is a call to action for the church in the present age. It starts by showing up, yes, but it continues by trying to wrap our minds around the issues of the world and the holiness of God's will for us in it. And it leads us into being the body of Christ, becoming love for each other. You see, where verse 1 says your spiritual act of worship, the Greek word that's used here for this spiritual act of worship is a word that also is used for service. It's one of those words that you can translate either way. You could say service to God, or you could say worship to or of God. The point is that worship and service, the offering ourselves in daily life is critical to our understanding of who we are in God. Romans 12, 5 says, In Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. We need each other. We have different gift mixes, different passions, but we all belong to the same body. When we each use our gifts, when we each present ourselves as living sacrifices with the purpose of building up the body of Christ, His church, we are both worshipping and serving. We are loving God by loving our world. And so the rest of chapter 12 describes how to live a life of worship, how to give the best we have to offer, how to serve. And it really starts with using what God has already given us. In verse 9, Paul says, if you have the gift of leadership, do it diligently. Or as the New Living Translation says, take that responsibility seriously. Well, that's one way I offer myself to God, by, by being the best leader I can be and by committing to growing and developing my skills and more importantly, my character, so that I won't be an obstacle to what God wants to do in and through me. This encouragement of holy living, being living sacrifices, being transformed is for all of us in whatever situation we find ourselves in. Paul gets real specific. Have a look in verses 7 and 8. He says, If you give encouraging guidance, be careful that you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. 
If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. Verses 9 and 10, love from the centre of who you are. Don't fake it. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. What about in verse 13? Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. I've seen some very inventive ways in this season to be inventive in hospitality and making sure people feel welcomed. These may seem like very ordinary things, but this is exactly what it means to offer ourselves to God. Let God bring out the best in you, in your everyday life. Offer yourself to God because of His mercy as a living sacrifice in the everyday of life, in all the details. That's the message of Romans 12. It's about presenting ourselves to be transformed by God and working to find our place in God's community. And this is my prayer for you all this week. As you live the grace life, using Paul's words paraphrased by Eugene Peterson in that beginning of chapter 12. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Take a couple of minutes now to reflect. May we be transformed in this way to live the grace life.